1: The 145th annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show is welcoming 2,500 dogs from 50 states to New York on June 12th and 13th. But even if you're listening to this show after those dates, we have a lot of cool, interesting information for you. Starting with, according to the organization, America's dog show has its roots in 1870s when a group of sporting gentlemen would gather in their favorite hotel bar near New York's Union Square to trade stories about their shooting accomplishments and the abilities of their dogs in the field. They decided one of those nights to put on a dog show and they named their group after the hotel. The Westminster Kennel Club was born And, according to its bylaws, it was to increase the interest in dogs and thus improve the breeds and hold an annual dog show in New York. Some interesting names showed up in the catalog in those early years, including two stag hounds listed as being from the late General George Custer's Pack and two deer hounds that had been bred by no other than the Queen of England. Westminster predates the invention of the light bulb, the automobile, and basketball. We have with us today one of the show's judges, Dennis McCoy, whose career as a professional handler included handling many all-breed and specialty best-in-show winners. He won more than 500 Best in Shows as a handler and showed the top-winning poodle and the top-winning Dalmatian in breed history. Dennis retired from handling and began his judging career in 2000 and judges all toy, non-sporting, and terrier breeds and Best in Show. Welcome, Dennis. Hi,
0: how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, and I'm so happy to have you here to tell us all about judging these many dog shows. And let's start with how did you become a judge?
0: Well, I showed uh, professionally as a dog handler for many, many years. I started off as an owner handler, then became a professional handler, and then when I retired about 20 years ago, I applied to judge dogs. And was granted permission through the American Kettle Club to begin the process of judging dogs.
1: Now, do you have to go through some kind of uh, process to qualify for judging? Yes, they um, they have a
0: set standard of rules that you have to be able to qualify before you can even judge at a dog show. And it's been so many years since I've applied, but you have to be a breeder of so many dogs and have to go through a lot of educational uh, programs and build up your um, portfolio as to your knowledge within these breeds that you're applying to judge.
1: So, you know, you you probably get this question a lot. Uh, someone has a dog and they want to enter the show. And in many cases, the the competitors are just household pets. What would you say would be like the two main ingredients to know, like, it, it, is my dog just a house pet or could he be a competitor? If
0: you're coming from the general public, I think you need to uh, seek out a professional, um, whether it be a handler or A judge, if they have time, or a breeder, a breeder is very essential, to tell you the pros and cons of your dog. Most people that begin start with a breeder that they found that has the type of dog they want with the type of personalities and attributes that they would want in an animal. And then the breeders usually tell them, well, this dog has this, this dog has that, I wouldn't show this dog because as I see it, it has this fault, which is why I'm selling it as a pet. Maybe it has a bad bite. Well, that would end the the dog's career as a show dog from there. But under the advice of many different people, you could begin your um, finding out if you have a good dog to show and enter a dog show and find out. That's
1: interesting. I'm going to go back to uh, another question about key elements. Um, so I understand the process in judging the dog is against AKC breed standards and not against each other. So when you're judging, what are the maybe top two or three key elements you take into consideration? And I know this is a very broad question, but uh, for consideration of time, just what are your main thoughts about the key elements?
0: Well, when you say you started this with something that I think is a little bit of faulty information, you do judge to a breed standard, but when you're judging the dogs at the very ground level of the breed judging, you do judge them one dog against another, but you're also judging against a breed standard. Now, when you move up into the group level, you have what. Either you have sent to the group or another judge has sent to the group, and that's the best to breed in the different breeds that are within the group you're judging. Then you judge them one breed standard to the next breed standard to the next breed standard of all the different breeds. So you have to have the capability of having that in your mind when you begin to judge the group judging.
1: Oh, I appreciate that clarification. So tell us an interesting story about the behind the scenes. You know, we all watch the benching areas where people are spending four to five hours, multiple brushes, more hair products than most humans have, including rollers, flat irons, blow dryers. Tell us a little bit about that. The dog shows are
0: basically, the basic element of dog shows is to be judging breeding stock. And a exhibitor comes into my ring and they're asking my opinion of breeding stock. Now, we have taken this breeding stock into a little more of a beauty contest, especially in this country, because we have taken the, the breeds and made them into a little bit more glamorous than other places like England wants much more basic. Here we do a little bit of prepping, like you're saying, behind the scenes, and people work many, many, many hours to get their dogs to look to absolute perfection to present them to the judges, for the judge, myself, to evaluate. And they want them to look the best they possibly can any way they can. Now, some of them are to be faulted if they're overgroomed. So there is a limit to what you can do. In this country, we do tend to really push the limit.
1: Is there a particular breed that wins more often than another?
0: I would say mm, Terriers win an awful lot. I was privileged enough to show Standard Poodles that do win a lot. In every group, there's dogs that do win a lot. Now, if you're talking about the Westminster Dog Show, Terriers have basically dominated. They're a very strong breed there, but all different breeds have, have done Newfoundlands, uh, short hairs. Many, many, many different breeds. Um, so I wouldn't say that anyone dominates over another. From year to year, it seems like the cream rises to the top and different breeds become the biggest competitors. I was privileged enough to have had the top winning dog in the country for two years running. And so I was considered the competitor to try to beat. I had had an awful lot of luck and good dog at the end of my league when I showed.
1: Mm-hmm. And this might be a good time to get your thoughts on the vital role of the handler.
0: The handler is, an owner-handler can do just as good a job as a professional handler, if that's what you're referring to. An owner-handler does know when you begin, everybody begins somewhere. I began as the owner-handler, and we all begin somewhere and learn the tricks of the trade, but it's by watching other handlers present their dogs, and it's our job to try to present them better. Now, I will say this, the same dog that an owner-handler has, if they haven't gotten keen on watching the of the professional handlers within their breed and found out what attributes they show off and how they show them off, then that same dog with the handler, a handler seems to know how to pull up the head and put the, uh, put the rear end where it belongs, the tail where it belongs, the front end where it belongs, and show the attributes of the judge's of the dogs to the judges. So they have learned this through the years of showing dogs, and it's almost like magic coming out of a handler's hands, where an owner handler has to work a little bit harder because they know they have to compete with the person that's um, a a professional and has shown many, many examples of these breeds.
1: This is also interesting. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I picked up a cute little thing from the uh, show site that some handlers will even keep dog treats in their mouth to keep the dog focused on their face.
0: They do that, and it's also a convenient way for them to chop off a little bit of liver, chicken, or whatever they have in their mouth to bite it off and be able to have it right there when they need it to get the dog's attention. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of keeping the dog's attention with you all the time, and when it, especially when the judge is looking at the dog. They want to give them all the focus they can give them and give them the expression they want when they come down the line and keep their attention fully. And that's where the professional handler comes in because they really know the dogs on the end of the, their lead, and they really work hard to try to keep them focused on them the whole time so they can keep the focus for the judge to see their best attributes, the
1: dogs. Mm -hmm. So going back to judges, and and I don't know how this works. I'm very naive on this subject, so I appreciate your input. But is is there, again, I don't know how the judging system works. Would there be a case where maybe judges disagree about a winner? And how does that work if that happens?
0: You know, if every judge likes the same thing, what would be the point of competing? Each judge on a particular breed will have their own opinion as to how they interpret breed standards. And if they interpret the breed standard one way, that doesn't make them necessarily wrong. If I judge the next day, which a lot of times is three, four, maybe even five shows in a row, and each day has a different judge, everybody has their own opinion of how they going to emphasize on the strong points of any breed so i have my opinion and i feel very strongly and it's opinion, it's an opinion that's been developed over many many years i've been in, involved in the sport of dogs for 50 years probably longer but i'm not going to admit to that <laughs> um and over the time you because i was fortunate enough to have so many top winning dogs I would be at the dog show from the beginning of the dog show in the morning and all the way to the end and watching the different dogs and learning about different dogs and looking up breed standards. I always had them with me in the um with in the truck with me, my partner and I would discuss the attributes that maybe perhaps beat us that day and what can we do to present our dog better and so it's it's time that that's put into the sport, that you build up the knowledge in the sport so that you are able to judge these dogs in your mind to the best of your ability.
1: So I understand in this particular show there's some new breeds, a a Beaver Terrier, a Belgian Lacanois, and a Doggo Argentino. What's that like when new breeds are introduced to a competition?
0: I am only licensed to judge the toy, non-sporting, and carrier groups. That's the only groups I've ever applied to judge. That keeps me as busy as I want to be (laughs) set, and I do best in show. But of those breeds that you're talking about, the only one that would involve me is the beaver. And um, I've learned a lot about that because it begins as a miscellaneous breed. And I've judged the breeds you just mentioned at the miscellaneous level, and you learn about the breeds at that level. But then when it comes time to judge them in the um, group level that they've now joined, like the beaver, into the toy group, then it is my responsibility to learn as much about that breed as I possibly can to be able to judge them fairly to their breed standard against all the other breed standards that are in my ring. Or if I'm just judging those against the other dogs within that breed that are in my ring.
1: So is that something exciting for you?
0: It's always exciting to be able to judge.
1: And the one thing about Westminster is
0: that's usually the best of the best, the cream of the crop. So that's always exciting to see what you can sort through and find that you feel best uh, perceives the breed standard in your mind that you're going to send forward to another judge. And for me, judging at Westminster, I'll be judging the non sporting group, and there's many different types of dogs within that group, and you have to switch your mind from a standard poodle and to a bulldog hmm. with a Frenchie and a Sharpay in between, a Bichon. You have so many different uh, breeds in that that you have to be keen but. Be- over the years since I've been judging, and I did do a lot of winning in that group myself and showing, well, I've shown every dog that, that is in that group. So it is a little better for me when I go in there to judge, like, the non-sporting group. I've shown all the dogs within the non-sporting group, um, from the American Eskimo to Boston's the Bichons, and the Chow Chows, the Lhasas, the Lauchins, the, Louchins, the Lion Dogs. French Bulldogs, Kacens, and, you know, I but in my group, the Dalmatian Finnish Spits, Bulldogs, Cholos, wow. Tibetan Spaniels, Tibetan Carriers, Skipper Keys, um, the Norwegian Lug- Lug- Jound, yes. Um There's just so many different my breeds goodness. that are so different within the non-sporting group compared to the sporting group, which has more of a uniform um look, because of the sporting, I mean, there's variation, but not the extreme variation there is in the non-sporting group. And they all have their purpose that they started off with. And you have to remember that when you're judging them. And you have to remember like something like the Dalmatians. Basically, you, if you really look at the breed standard, the breed standard shows more emphasis on the spotting than any other one part of that breed standard. But now you have to interpret, my job will be to interpret Yes, that's beautiful spotting, or maybe it's too heavy, but the total dog is what I judge on.
1: Oh, my goodness. Taking all of it in
0: consideration.
1: That is intense experience and knowledge. Wow. Wonderful. You know, I want to ask you, because you have been judging so long and and showing and et cetera, uh, the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show way back in 1877. So it's actually the longest continuous sporting event behind only the Kentucky Derby. And its history says it survived power outages, snowstorms, a national depression, two world wars, and even a tug poke strike that threatened to shut down the city. So I want you to tell me your most interesting experience that you've had, either during your judging years or otherwise.
0: Well, you know, this year we also have, because of the pandemic that we had, and then not knowing how they were going to bring this about, because normally the show is in February, normally it's at the Garden, and because of the COVID restrictions in New York, they had to find another venue. So this year it's going to be at the Lynnhurst Estate, and it's going to be every bit as beautiful and elegant, I'm sure, as they can possibly make it. So this will be a new experience because it's usually been held indoors for all those years. This will be the first outdoor event again because of the pandemic that came on us. Who would know that we'd have all these COVID restrictions? The bright side of that is that the closer we get, the more they seem to be lifted. And so it might be a little easier experience than we were even anticipating a month ago. Now that was off. That was a little bit off of what you asked me, so re-ask that question. My most exciting, is that what you said, for different moment?
1: What, whatever. Exciting, interesting, something funny happened, something challenging happened. I don't know. You've been showing and you've been judging. You tell me your best story.
0: Well, I remember down in in Tampa, Florida one time, um, I was showing a Dalmatian at the time. She was the top-winning Dalmatian of all times. And I had a pretty good shot of winning best in show I thought that the, I was I got out of the breed I had the best breed winner and the group judge had favored my dog in the past you never know and so had the best in show judge so I was excited to try to get in there well all of a sudden I heard that the group was going on and I was out exercising my dog my Dalmatian And somebody grabbed me and said, get in the ring now. Well, I went flying into the ring and all I had was, I had her on a flexi lead and she was one that would charge way out in front of me when she went around the ring. She was a true coach dog and she just, her foot timing was beautiful and she just wanted to go out and show. And here I am with a flex lead, which is not something I normally would show on, but it's what I had. And into the ring I went, and she shot out at the end of that lead, and it was like, whoa, come back here. (laughs) And I got through it, and then as soon as the judge had gone over her, I was lucky enough somebody brought the regular lead up to me, and I switched it in the ring, but that was like, oh, my God, but in I went, and we did good. (sighs) Probably the most exciting, I had two exciting moments. One was a year that I had finished a standard puppy, my partner husband. Randy Guerin had said to me, you better finish this dog today because I don't want to grow it in the coat. With the poodle, it's a big, long process to come out of the puppy trim into the open trim. And at the time, this dog was not on the best of feet, which is not something you really want, but it was in the grass, so Judge couldn't really see that the dog wasn't really up on its knuckles. Well, I did finish the dog and home the dog went. And all of a sudden, I start hearing that in Europe, the dog had done a tremendous amount of winning." winning almost every big show there was in Europe. And um, Miss Ann Warner came back from judging over there and said, Dennis, you've got to get this dog. He was a big white standard, and and he's magnificent and all that. And I thought, well, he wasn't magnificent when he left. His feet alone would stop me. But he was a beautiful dog, and we loved him. But all of a sudden, they called and asked me if I would show the dog at our Poodle National. And I said, yes. I had just retired one. Randy said to me, are you out of your mind? And I said, well, let's see what happens. Well, the dog was flown in while we were away at a dog show, and the, um, the owners had brought it to me as soon as I arrived home. They had picked it up at the airport, and I said, wow, we had to adjust the trim. But all everybody was waiting to see this dog from Europe that had done all this winning, and I wouldn't let anybody see the dog ahead of time. And when I walked into the ring... That dog, I said to somebody that was here from Europe, I said, how is the dog showing now? And they said, he will rise to the occasion. And rise, he did. He just brought up his head, and he just showed the world. When I walked in that ring, the judge even started at his seat, looked up at him as he was checking me in, and the dog made a sensational debut at the National, and nobody was expecting it. And it was pretty exciting. The dog had an exciting career thereafter. But um, that wow. was a very exciting moment. And who could ever forget when I won Westminster? When the judge pointed to me, I'll never forget, I felt like a sensation went from the top of my head down to my feet and back up again. I mean, I could feel this sensation, this mm. sensation. and I was numb. It's like this is the pinnacle of any handler's career. It was great.
1: Wow. And that actually was going to be my closing question. How does it feel? And you just gave that to us. So I thank you so much for being here, sharing your expertise, your knowledge, some fun stories with us, human interest. It was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Dennis. My
0: pleasure. Nice conversation. I appreciate it.
1: Time for our Nonprofit Spotlight. According to their website, the Humane Society of the United States takes on puppy mills, factory farms, the fur trade, trophy hunting, animal cosmetics, testing, and other cruel industries. They rescue and care for thousands of animals every year through a rescue and response team and other hands-on animal care services. They find that the cruelest practices toward all animals should be eliminated. They care for animals in crisis, and they build a stronger animal protection movement. Their rescue and direct care work responds to today's cruelties. Their education, legislative, and policy work prevents tomorrows. Of course, there's plenty of local chapters, but for a broad info site, you can go to humane society .org. humane society.org. I just thought that was a fit for our show today. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. Keep listening here or at our website for some good ones coming up, including addressing policing issues. Oh, it's a tough one, and the Blue Lights College is taking it on. Or hear how Aging is the new Star Wars. And you can also learn the secret to scoring a house in this competitive housing market. Phew, it's difficult. Please be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Sprucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be kind to creatures great and small.